Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Hotbody Dawson, pow pow pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? It's another episode of our esteemed History Box series where we unpack um, one of history's many, many important events and uh, take a sideways look. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> you have to do it like this. The year is 1904, and here we are in the United States of America. Of course, only formed but a year previously. <laughs> <laughs> of course, well known. The United States was founded in 1903 <laughs> by Sir John United States. The United States, yeah, him and Ronald McDonald. <laughs> so um, it's the 1904 Olympics men's marathon, which you probably know if you've read the title of this before you've started listening to it. Uh, this, some of you might be aware of this already because it went viral on the social media a couple of months ago, and I think it was one of you that, that tweeted us and said this would be good for History Box can't remember who it was now apologies for not crediting you whoever you are we love you and respect you but we will not be paying you anything you'll get none of the proceeds of this podcast i can't stress that enough unless we take a closer look at your tweets and you turn out to be some kind of like fucking racist you know right winger or anti-vaxxer or something like that Mm. um uh so it's the 1904 olympics men's marathon it took place in st louis United States on August the 30th. August the 30th, of course, is probably the optimum time to have a marathon. One of the hottest times of the year. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do the marathon on the hottest day of the whole year. (laughs) Really ramp things up. That's the American way. And this marathon, it says, took place over a distance of 24.85 miles, which isn't a marathon. It's shorter than the modern marathon. It's a US marathon. Mm. (laughs) US, US measurements. Yeah. Probably. In the United States, we do everything that the rest of the world do, only quicker. <laughs> Have you seen, um, I don't know if you follow the Tour de France or not, Sam. No. But um, I enjoy the Tour de France every year, but there's a there was a fella, um, I'll just see if I can find the story about it. Um, and it's a fella who's not part of the Tour de France race, but he's, he's riding the course himself. There he is, Lachlan Morton. Uh, Lachlan Morton takes on the Tour de France alone. He's riding the course. He's a, uh, a maverick Australian adventure racer. Now, the word maverick there is immediately a red flag for arsehole, <laughs> isn't it? 
<laughs> an asshole cyclist. What he's doing is... In that sense, all cyclists are mavericks. <laughs> what he's doing is... Uh, Morton, who combines World Tour road racing with competing in gravel and endurance racing. So he likes to race on gravel, it seems. Hmm. He's doing a solo, unassisted ride, uh, and he's trying to connect to reconnect with the original spirit of the Tour de France, in which riders raced through the night, slept rough in fields and ditches, and ate where and when they could. So he's going to be doing that. He's not taking any rest days like the regular Tour de France riders do. He's going to be riding through the night. Um, Basically, he's just doing the Tour de France, but more. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like your Tour de France with your let's say health and safety if you like and mm. your rest days and all that this isn't for me he's like I'm rest gonna... days are for pussies he's basically, yeah, basically saying that. Tour de France yeah. Tour de shit more like Tour exactly. de France I yeah. shit it <laughs> exactly. fall out of me ass. <laughs> he says the biggest challenge will be the self-supporting element I'll be carrying everything I need clothing bivy mattress and sleeping bag plus a cooking setup. Yeah. So he's just going, I'm going to do the Tour de France, but more. set up, yeah. The Tour, the Tour de France is regarded as the the hardest endurance sporting event on the planet, pretty much. Mm. Because, I mean, it's ridiculous. You've got people cycling for 21 days. A couple of rest days in there, but for 21 days, and the cycling I, I for tell you what, five I've or six hours each day. I've driven up that Mont Vom 2 that they go up. Yeah. I've fucking driven up it, and it was hard enough driving a high car up the bastard, <laughs> let alone cycling <laughs> it. Honestly, yeah. I looked at the, there was there's always geezers cycling up there. So always fellas. You don't get many female um, cyclists. Always well, well, exactly. middle aged men, isn't it? And they're going yeah. up there, and I was looking at them, and I was I'm not joking. I was like, I feel exhausted just fucking driving up here, especially mm. sometimes in one of those shit hire cars that you accidentally get that's only got like a 1.5 liter engine. Yeah, <laughs> you keep having to do gear. hill starts. <laughs> So yeah, this fucker, this fucker is like your Tour de France. It's not enough for me. I'm yeah. doing the extreme Tour de France, and but like you just said, fucking men, yeah. fucking toxic masculinity. It's what Look it is. Isn't state it? of it, what a fucking prick. So there you are, Lachlan Morton. I felt that I needed to unburden about that mm. when I read it the other day. Silly bastard. Um, I could have done a tweet about it, but you would have got all the cyclist t- uh, tweeters. Oh yeah, I've crossed in, them before. Fucking I've them before. I did a thing once on on news thing about cyclists. I can't remember what, and they were like they weren't quite pharmacist levels, but it was almost like that. Mm-hmm. And you sort of just think, do you know what, mate? Just don't think of it as a cultural thing. Don't think of it as tribal. Just think yeah. of it as that's how you get around on a bike. Fine. It's a mode of transport. Yeah, <laughs> you like. Do you know what I mean? Do. That's it. And no, no one's going to die on the hill of being, well, I'm someone who gets the fucking bus, are they? <laughs> Speaking on behalf of all bus passengers, yeah. uh, who, are, who I very much think are the backbone of this community, I'm a bus passenger and I wear special clothes. They're very expensive, <laughs> but it's worth it. And me and my bus buddies, exactly. we all get together for a good bus around on a Sunday and where we all stop for coffees. For organic cappuccinos and flat whites. <laughs> and energy wow. pouches. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't fall asleep on the top deck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, what we like to do is we like to get out there nice and early and get on the bus so that we can sit upstairs at the front seat, what we like to call the king's seat. 
the king seat. That's yeah, where, that's where all the, that's where all the hardcore bus bus riders sit. Yeah, there's a lot of amateurs doing it, and that's fine. But they tend to sit in the lower deck. If they do get on the upper deck, often it makes them feel nauseous. Because if you're not an experienced bus rider, sitting up top can be very disorientated. Yeah, some of us go to uh, Mexico and do altitude training and get on buses <laughs> in Mexico City, so you can sit uh, on the top deck there where the air is thinner. When it's uh, very serious, one thing uh, that, that me and my buddies do, we, uh, we, we do shave our pubes off before going on a <laughs> seriously long bus ride. Makes you more aerodynamic. Makes you more aerodynamic up there. Uh, when you're going up the stairs, see, I, I can actually walk up and down the stairs while the bus is moving. That, but it took me years to get to that I level. Can, I can do it while holding a bag, holding a sports bag. I don't even need, need to use the handrail. You have to be brave. That's one thing that you have to have. You have to have a huge amount of courage, a big, big, brave heart. Often there are girls from a local girls' school on the top deck, and they'll mock you and shout out and say things like, hello, sexy. And uh, you don't know where to look. It's it's very intimidating. But uh, over where time, you, going, you, Mister? You, you grow the courage to just deal with it. Where you go, Mister? Can we come? It's really yeah. intimidating. Kind of, that kind but of banter, the- and and it, it yeah, it's terrifying when it first happens to you. But uh, I'm used to that stuff now. I just smile and nod. Hi, girls. Well, uh, go back to going down the little spiral staircase without using the handle. I think you've got to work on your inner core. You've got to work on your centre of gravity. <laughs> Otherwise, you could be just bouncing around all over that little staircase. You lose balance. I've seen a lot of people, a lot of great friends. I've lost them to that staircase because <laughs> they just weren't. They were sure they had great uh, audiovascular fitness. But the core strength just wasn't there. Uh, lo- a lot of heroes died on those steps over the years. Not me. That's why I do Pilates, to train. Train for those steps. So, yeah, cycling Twitter. Um, cycling Twitter is even worse than football Twitter. Mm. And um, football, I mean, we would have done this in the Monday episode if we'd recorded the Monday episode on Monday, but we didn't. Um, football Twitter was up in arms on Sunday evening with Roy Keane. After he called João Felix, the Portuguese player, an imposter. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't <laughs> an see imposter. it. Joe Felix, who, who I think went to Athletic Madrid for yeah, a million. huge amount of money. Huge mm. amount of money. Kiermon didn't really do much. Portugal went out and uh, Keane called him an imposter. <laughs> like as if he just didn't deserve to be involved in football. He was pretending yeah, to be yeah, a footballer. Basically, yeah. Wow. And fucking football Twitter is up in arms about this last night. Who does he think he is? And uh, why do they someone, all love Hal Felix so much? Is he like the well, hipster's friend or something? I, kind of that, but I, I point. I sort of made a couple of joke tweets about it, and someone pointed out he's probably the kind of player that loads of these fuckers pick on FIFA, oh, and he does really well for them on you, FIFA. On FIFA, he is one of the best players you can buy. There you go. If, then. if you're in yeah. managerial mo- mode on FIFA, which I always am. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, you know, if you sign one of, if you get enough money and you sign either Mbappe, Haaland or Felix, then you mm. will basically win the league. Oh, well, there you are then. That's what it is. Then he's a FIFA hero. Yeah, he's a FIFA hero, yes. Yeah. These FIFA wankers obviously know more about football than the multi-medal winning former Manchester United captain, Roy Keane. Yeah, and all-round <laughs> legendary bloke, Roy Keane. Absolutely. Who is Roy Keane, anyway? Yeah, exactly, yeah. He played PG, pre-Guardiola, and any football that happened pre-Guardiola it wasn't really football. It was a different sport altogether. <laughs> it's like comparing cycling to the penny farthing. 
It's completely yeah. different. Kane's been magnificent in this tournament. He's been fucking magnificent. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's yeah. uh, he, he's box office, isn't he? He turns up and he gives them what they want. I mean, if they <laughs> paid him all that want. money and he turned up and was just reasonable, then yeah. they'd be like, they'd feel shortchanged. He has to give the people what they want, and that's what he yeah. does. Yeah, he's been fucking great. I mean, it was I superb, it- but it was beyond the sort of stuff that we used to like say when we were doing the deep dives on his books. When he said, "Why is he having a twenty-minute conversation?" Yeah. Like, what? I never have a conversation more than five minutes with anyone with anybody. <laughs> but yeah, there is a sense to that as well. He's sort of like. You know, if you're serious, like that story I told last week about Graham Souness saying that he exactly, just he, yeah. he wouldn't talk to Ray Wilkins, but just for yeah. that thing, it's like if you're serious, you shouldn't be going and chatting to mates. It means you're treating it too much with too much mm. sort of lightheartedness and frivolity. The winners will have a winning mentality, and that mm. mentality will be kill or be killed. That's the, does, that's what you got to think: kill exactly, or be killed. It, it, it boils my piss. Again, this is probably fucking old man stuff, but it mm. boils my piss when you see players of opposing teams coming off at half time and having a little chat with each other yeah. and sharing a joke. Mm. And you know, uh, Billy Gilmore, yeah, he's Chelsea teammates were there as England players, but and he had not, a twenty minute uh, chat not with them. During that, that's England Scotland for those yeah. for those couple of hours. You got to hate each other. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you see, you see, players of you saw Ronaldo and uh, Benzema having a big laugh with each other when Portugal played France last week during the match. Mm. And I thought, fuck off. Mm. Ashley Williams was on the other day and someone asked him, when you play for your country, when's the moment when you um, when you, you get the bump, the goosebumps and you get the hairs on the back of your neck standing up? And he was saying, it's when the national anthem kicks in, really. He says, because before the game, you're in your little bubble and you're doing your thing in the dressing room, uh, the changing room. And then um, when you're in the tunnel, he says, you're in war mode. That's what you want. You want to be in yeah, war mode. War mode. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's what you want. You, you want the whole fucking thing to be war mode from start to finish. You yeah. don't want them sharing jokes with each other. On the I think pitch. there's a lot of fans there, and it's sort of insulting to them to do it so publicly because the fans, it means everything to a lot of fans. Mm. What the result of the game is, especially in a derby like England Scotland, means so much to everyone. Um, yeah. And I just think to publicly sort of just fraternise with the opposition suggests to the fans that you don't take it as seriously as they do. And therefore, mm-hmm. you're sort of say, calling them mugs for spending the 70 quid on going to watch you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or for putting the time aside to watch you. It's sort of like, you've got to at least play the game. I mean, these people are grown-ups and then part of me thinks, well, it shows a certain maturity and humanity that they are capable to put rivalries to one side and just mm. be nice to each other. Like Declan Rice was, you know, having a chat with the two Czech lads from West Ham on the pitch after England, Czech Republic. And part of me thought, yeah, it's nice, I suppose. But in a way, I sort of think, do you know what? Don't do it so publicly because yeah. it's a bit insulting to the fans because although we always say football is a child's game and shouldn't be taken too seriously, which I stand by, I also think your enjoyment of football often depends on a temporary suspension of disbelief. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Just temporarily everyone, and that doesn't just mean the fans, it means everyone on TV, 
the players, the manager, everyone, you all temporarily suspend your disbelief. It's like any game. That's how you get derive enjoyment from it. If you kind of go, you can't, you, you know, even you and I always deride it as a Charles game. We can't go to watch our respective teams and sit there all the way through going, well, this is just an absurd Charles game and there's a bag of air being kicked around by some men into a fucking arbitrarily selected <laughs> zone on the pitch which is marked yeah. out by some sticks and a net do you know what I mean <laughs> like if you did all that either out loud you'd probably get a punch in the mouth but even if you did it inside your head it would end up being pointless you even engaging in the game you have to suspend your disbelief and everyone has to be in on it and part of that is you have to be as a player you have to <clears throat> uphold at least the appearance of a serious rivalry in order exactly. for us all to enjoy yeah. it yeah, you know, I'd fucking send a WhatsApp to each other afterwards. You exactly. Know, how, how great it was to, to play against each other. I enjoyed the game. The pitch. And they act as well like Rice with the two Chet lads. Part of me thought, fuck's sake, you only saw each other a couple of weeks ago. Don't act like you're long lost friends. In a yeah. way, I'm sort of thinking they did it for the photo op. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> we're all buddies. Yeah. We're famous footballers, but in real life, we're also friends socially. Sometimes yeah. we go for coffee together. Fucking cunts. Jalapeño. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jalapeño. Anyway, where are we? It's the year 1904. <laughs> a men's marathon. We should make an effort to do this. Yeah. Um, so it was over 24.85 miles. 32 athletes representing four nations competed, but only 14 of the 32 managed to finish the race. It proved to be a bizarre affair, it says here on Wikipedia, due to poor organisation and officiating. <laughs> uh, uh, this is the third appearance of the marathon, uh, which is one of only 12 athletics events to have been held at every Summer Olympics. And Arthur L. Newton of the United States was the only runner from 1900 to return. Uh, other significant American runners included the winners of the past three Boston marathons, Sammy Meller, John Lawden and Michael Spring. Top foreign runners did not travel to St. Louis for the event. So I don't know if any of this becomes relevant later on, if these names become important, but we'll see. Um... There was also the, t the first two black Africans to compete in the Olympics. Two Tswana tribesmen named Len Tao mm. and Jan Mashiani, right. who happened to be in St. Louis as part of the South African exhibit at the 1904 World's Fair. These men were exhibits, it says here, at the World's Fair. Both had served as long-distance message runners during the Boer War. <laughs> 
Fucking different times here, Sam. <laughs> These men's jobs were their jobs were message runners, and as a result, they'd become exhibits from South Africa at the World's Fair in St. Louis. Um, some accounts report that they both ran barefoot, but Mashiani was shooed in photographs taken during <laughs> the event. Fully shooed. Fully shooed. One hundred percent shooed. And there is a photograph of them both before the. Uh, uh, before the thing and yeah he is shooed he appears to be wearing Andy um, do you like to be fully shooed most of the time like obviously no. you're in your rig a lot of the time when you're in your rig I, are you um, fully shooed I don't know if this is healthy or not but I'm usually barefoot when I'm in my rig Sam Ooh. not even wearing socks don't tell go me you've got underfloor heating at your rig I haven't I fucking wish I had maybe you should no. get that in the new rig No. do I've yourself a favour when you do eventually find your new rig Get it mm. installed right at the start. Because things like that, once you've moved in and got all your furniture and all that, it just is like a pain in the arse. So the arse. get it all Do done it, at yeah. once. Go, right, rip up them boards and put some radiators in underneath. Have or however they do it, I don't know. No, I haven't got have it, you, but I want it. Have you, have you experienced it? I've experienced it in other people's homes, and it's wonderful. Is it good? Yeah. Is it? Just a lovely warm feeling underfoot. If you're, if you're a fan of being barefoot around the house and you live in a cold climate like Sunderland, I would say mm. it's a fucking essential. you got to remember, though, I'm a hot-bodied man, aren't I? So... Does that go all the way down to your feet? Of course, yeah. yeah. You know who likes to be fully shooed even at home on his own is my dad, right? And I know this <laughs> because a couple of times during lockdown I have sprung a surprise by sort of appearing unannounced at my dad's house and then it's like a flat on the ground floor so you can stand right. in the hallway bit you know the bit where people keep their bikes and the mail and all that stuff right i'll yeah. stand in that bit and he'll open the front door this was before we all got jabbed and everything he'll open the front door and we'll have a little chat like that and mm. um he lives alone right fully shooed every time mm. i cock it fully shooed ironed shirt i'm yeah. pretty sure one time i knocked around he was wearing a tie <laughs> this was what used to happen though old men I mean mm. obviously your dad is a, a man of advancing years but he is he's not old, an old yeah. man he's not an old man of let's say the 1970s he's in his 80s but fellas used to wear shirt and tie around the house didn't they every day yeah except the dress code yeah I see pictures of my grandfather and he's just like my my, my grandfather and my mum's dad I never met him but I, I like looking at pictures of him because he was always just fucking 100% turned out. I don't know what he was fucking doing with his time. But I think even when they were on holiday or anything like that, mm. always in basically a suit. It's pain though, isn't it, mate? I mean, that's the main thing. I look at the Queen and like, you know, we've made our feelings clear about the monarchy lots of times here. But when I do look at the Queen I, and think about how old she is, right? Yeah. She must be in her 90s. And it's the way... I saw a picture of the other day to meet with Boris Johnson... And I'm sorry, whatever you think about the Queen of Monarchy, that is, it is not nice for a woman in her 90s to have to get fully dressed up every day in a proper fucking outfit, jewellery, yeah. makeup, the lot. And then, yeah. to make matters worse, have to meet with that daft cunt. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is mm. a woman who's met with some of the great leaders and statesmen of our time, or any time. She's there yeah. with that twat, and she's like, I've got to get dressed. When we're that age, I mean, look at us now. We're only in our 40s. And, you know, neither of us really bothered to get what I would call... Pro I mean, you're not putting shoes and socks on, mate. I no, don't ever no. wear proper trousers. I wear tracksuit bottoms pretty much well, every day. I, 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 I wear shorts around the house as well. Yeah. And that's us. And we're in our Unless 40s. And I, it would take a lot. I mean, I can't imagine who would who would need to be coming round for me to bother 
putting on shoes in my house. I wonder if we'll do you think do you think we'll gravitate towards that that thing of getting dressed better no. as we're older men? No, I think it's generational. I think we're, the only way is down for us, Sartor, really. Mm. I mean, it's been a steady decline for me. I used to like when I was until you know, probably in my thirties. I used to you know like sort of dress like a mod, which involved wearing shirts and you know smartish mm. things, nice little cardigans yeah. and so forth. Fuck that now. I wear only leisure wear, and I yeah. will go. And I'm fully expecting by the time I'm in my fifties, I'll be buying all that shit you get in the colour supplements, like the comfy shoes with large Velcro straps, mm. and all that sort of stuff, and doing everything with one of those clutching claw arm things. Oh God, yeah. That's what I want. Grab a thing. Yeah. I've had to take. I've had to take both my kids for um, COVID tests over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Because of fucking. Um, isolation and all that sort of thing. Mm. Reasons, yeah. yeah. And it's great because when you go to the drive-through one, yeah. you have to wind your window down just enough for them to be able to pass the test in through to the put car a window. Stick in to your you. nose. And and they've got they've got the te- they've got the test packaging on the end of a grabber. Ah, they're holding them with a grabber and they put the grabber in through the window. That is so much fun. And then release it. I, I wanted you to tell me that they stuck it in. They actually did the test themselves, but you just had to stick your nose out a tiny gap. Yeah. Go on now, stick your nose through that gap. How big's your nose, mate? Is it normal size? Nah, it's a bit <coughs> of a. It's a, it's a bit above nose. average, if I'm honest. Right. In that case, wind it down, maybe just a little bit more, a couple of inches. Now stick your nose out. That's it. Okay. Here comes the stick. Brace yourself. <laughs> and it's on the end of a grabber. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the end of the grabber, but don't worry, it's not a I'm robot a... doing it. It's me. I'm just holding it with a grabber. Yes, yes, I am twenty feet away, but I've been trained to do this, so don't worry. I have got ninety five percent nasal accuracy, <laughs> so you'll just keep your nose still. Nose like yours. I've I've had to deal with very difficult noses. Nose like yours, easy. Do it in my sleep, mate. Don't you worry. You've got a great <laughs> nose for testing. You have. <laughs> Good nose, oh, yeah. good opening, nice big nostrils. You don't even have to flare them. Some lads, I need to say, right, flare them really good. Yours are fine. <laughs> and then you do the um, you do the test in the car, and then you've got to package it all up, and then you give them it again on your way out, and again it's collected with the grabber. It's brilliant. Fully recommend it. We need some more grab. We just see grabbers in more day-to-day grabbers. Now, post-COVID, we all have to be more careful and more aware of spreading germs mm, and infections. Right. And I think if everyone started using grabbers for everything, it would be better. Mm. Maybe it's a good time to invest in uh, shares in grabber companies. The grabber market, yeah. The grab- grabber market. Or release Top Flight like Time Machine branded grabbers. Yeah. Called Top Flight Grab know. Machines. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get, Do uh, not try to grab a lady's bum with them, though. That is not no, what it is intended for. No, that's illegal. Get on to Redbubble, see if there's any of them we can do. Mm. Um, so we're on uh, the race summary. Hello, Redbubble. Now, do you do grabbers? I need, <laughs> what do you mean? Grabbers. I need grabbers, you but I need, I need to get them in orange. Are you not aware of the global pandemic and the subsequent <laughs> need for grabbers? As we as we come out of lockdown and into full recovery mode. Well, I need you to look into it today. Get on the blower to China, one of them sweatshops, because <clears throat> we're gonna need we're gonna need a job fucking lot of them. They're gonna Go sell on. like fucking upcakes. 
Yeah, don't make sure they disinfect them before they send them over, know what I mean? <laughs> you don't want to like kick it off again. <laughs> so, you know what the uh, Chinese are like? They're very fucking careless with their viruses. But fuck me, they're not stuff out on the cheap, so what are you going to do? <laughs> so, here we are, back to the marathon. Uh, oh, yeah, they're telling us the marathon distance had not yet been standardised, and this course was 24.85 miles. 39.99 kilometres. You'd think they'd round it up, wouldn't you, to just 40 kilometres? But no. Uh, and how did, how did they measure it? I wonder how they measured it back then, because they didn't have... You know, how do you measure distance back in 1903? They had distance in, in 1903. Oh, they had distance, but how do they measure distance? Uh, tape measure. Yeah, tape measure, something like that. Well, how do really they measure it now? Measures. How do they measure it now? We've got around in a car with a, the, the... Oh, with a mileometer the, on the it. speed up with the mileometer, What about yeah. them clicking wheels that you used to have at school? Yeah, you can't do a marathon with one of them, though. You're going to do, like, a metre with them. I'm sure we've talked about this before, right, but... <laughs> I always think, why, at school in the 80s, if you went to a normal state school like us, right, they were always on about how there was no money for anything and you always had to share one between two on textbooks and all the rest of it, yeah? Yeah. And it was always like, oh, the class sizes are really big and we can't afford this, we can't afford that, right? And Mm. you just had to sort of swallow that and think, oh, well. And yet, every fucking school, anyone I asked, wherever they grew up, if they went to a normal school, they all had a cupboard full of these fucking meter stick things, right, wheels. Mm-hmm. Fucking loads of them. Like, yeah. never mind one for each kid in the school. There was about three of those for every kid in my school. So I'm like, what the fuck? What mm-hmm. do the, what? The most essential thing for our education at this stage is the ability to fucking walk around measuring fucking yards or f- meters with a wheel. Fucking, fuck off. Fucking one word, Sam. Thatcher. 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 What the fuck was she Th- up to? I tell you Th- what, Thatcher. it was probably her fucking dodgy son, Mark Thatcher. He was the one fucking manufacturing them. What did what did Thatcher do? She took away the milk, didn't she? Took away the school milk. Thatcher, yeah. Thatcher, milk snatcher. Milk snatcher, And yeah. diverted, siphoned, if you like, all of the funds for milk <laughs> into the wheels. Because she probably knew someone yeah. who manufactured and produced yeah. the fucking the wheels. And she was getting so kickbacks. She was getting kickbacks, And this is mate. what they're doing. They're just doing it again now with PPE. It's just the same thing. Yeah, exactly. It was the PPE of its day, wasn't it? It's just the same old Tory story. Again and again. Fucking hell, man. Um, Anyway, back to the marathon. Uh, St. Louis organisers started the marathon at 3pm in the afternoon, while most contemporary marathons start in the early morning to take advantage of cooler times of day. Yeah. We'll do it at 3pm. Just as yeah, nice and hot. Just as it's really getting nice and hot. <laughs> just as the sun's right up in the sky and it's been there for a couple of hours just to heat everything nice. Everything. Um, the start included five laps around the stadium track. The rest of the course was on dusty country roads with race officials riding in vehicles ahead of and behind the runners, creating dust clouds that exacerbated the severely hot and humid conditions. Right. <laughs> so you're gonna, lads, you're going to be running today. And what, what, to all intents and purposes, is a dust cloud. You're going to do like, d- like you see in a road runner and that. Yeah, but permanently, you're going to be running 26 miles, or 24.85 miles, we'll call it, in a dust cloud, breathing it in and breathing it out. Lovely. Uh, we've heard it's good for you, like smoking. Uh, at the start time of the race at 3 pm, the temperature was 32 degrees Celsius. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fuck me. So it's 32 degrees. Um, it's like one of these World Cup matches. It's going to be like the Qatar World Cup's going to be next year. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. Um, and it's 32 degrees, and they start at three in the afternoon uh, in extreme heat, and they're running around in a cloud of dust. And that's the uh, that's as far as we're going to get for this one. We'll Whoa, start the, the next bit's where it gets really week. good. We'll get stuck into the race proper next time. <laughs> We've set the scene in this episode. What we'll happens in this the... race is quite spectacular. <laughs> Don't spoil it by reading the Wikipedia page. Wait for us to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so more of this next week. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, don't forget, life is a marathon, not a sprint. Remain fully shooed. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.